The latest information on COVID-19, violence in Chicago, President Biden's poll number, Senator Warren blaming supermarkets for rising prices, and more on this edition of the Random Thoughts Podcast. Welcome to episode number 167 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That is R-A-N-D-U-M-B-Thoughts.com online. I'm your host, Darren O'Neill. And today we have a lot to cover what seems kind of like the greatest hits that have been going on over the last year or so. We can start out with COVID because it's in the news in every last little area. The Omicron variant, of course is what all the fear porn has been about in the mainstream media. Right now, if you believe the numbers, and it's always questionable, but the numbers right now are showing that in the United States, anywhere from about 70 to 90% of all the new cases of COVID are the Omicron variant, which it's interesting. They have three different antibody treatments that they've been using and now allegedly only one is really doing the job. And of course, that's the one they don't have any stock on. Could be true. Could be more just uh, fear being thrown out there. The interesting thing is when it comes to any virus, you need to have the data. You need to see what's been going on with it. And it seems like it was at least recognized in South Africa before anywhere else. So I think we should look to South Africa to see how things are going there, at least to get an idea of maybe where we will be going here. There was a study that was released out of South Africa, which has not yet been peer-reviewed, but this study found that people who were diagnosed with the Omicron variant in South Africa between October 1st and November 30th were 80% less likely to be admitted to a hospital than those diagnosed with any of the other variants, you know, Delta, whatever, in that same time period. So 80% less likely to be admitted into the hospital. They did mention that if you were still admitted, then during that time period, fairly similar between the Delta and the Omicron as far as what your outcome might be, but 80% less likely to be hospitalized. The study then found that people who were hospitalized with Omicron in the October and November time period were 70% less likely to develop severe disease than those who were admitted with the Delta variant between April And November. So again, this is not peer reviewed, but this is out of South Africa, who seems to be a little bit ahead of the United States when it comes to this variant. And they're saying that it is 70% less likely to cause severe disease as compared to the Delta variant. And also that you're 80% less likely to be admitted to the hospital than with the other variants. The professor that was 
One of those who authored this said, quote, compellingly together, our data really suggest a positive story of a reduced severity of Omicron compared to the other variants. This is from Professor Cheryl Cohen of the National Institute for Communicable Diseases. So that seems to be a positive sign. As we've talked about here, this variant seems to be one that is more able to be spread, but also very much less severe. Now, on the heels of this, the FDA has just approved today on Wednesday, before we started recording here on Christmas week, that the first ever oral pill which is made by Pfizer, it's an antiviral treatment called Paxlovid, has been authorized for the treatment of COVID. So this is the first ever that is authorized here in the United States, an antiviral pill that you can take upon getting symptoms of the disease. So this is very much similar to what you would get in the normal flu season if you were going to get a Tamiflu prescription, which is It doesn't cure anything, but it really lessens the symptoms, lessens the severity, lessens how long the thing stays in your body. Now, last week, Pfizer released updated results that showed this treatment cut the risk of hospitalization or death by 89% if given to high-risk adults within a few days of their first symptoms, and that dropped down only to 88% if given within the first five days. So this is a treatment that if you have comorbidities, if you have a high risk and you test positive for COVID, this is going to be what they are giving you. It is a combination drug, which it contains two drugs that have been, uh, one of them has been around called Ritonavir and a new antiviral named near Matravir or something like that. Yeah, how they come up with the names, I don't know. But it's a combination of two antiviral drugs that seems to be having a pretty good effect. Now, I don't know if any of this has been tested on Omicron because this is supposedly a new variant that's very, very, very different, but very much less severe. So maybe you don't need the drug if you get that. It's hard to say. But I've kind of looked at this as the severity going down much like if you throw a stone into a lake body of water whatever and you see when it hits right where it hits the waves that come off of that are fairly large and then as you move out they get less and less and less severe same thing what you have with the coronavirus here in the united states looking at the hospitalizations which is the number you should be looking at don't worry about tests Do not worry about new cases because there's a lot of people that are being diagnosed with a new case, which have zero symptoms or very mild symptoms. So treating cases like it means anything, something else we've been telling you almost since the beginning of this, looking at cases means nearly nothing. You want to be looking at what's going on in the hospitals. And in this case, the CDC is showing that we're hitting right now about 30 people per 100,000 in the United States hospitalized with COVID, have COVID, maybe somewhat COVID in them. It's uh, 
Another question there, how everything is being counted. We have a story on that as well about a guy that died in Texas. But when the peak of this came around in January of this year, hospitalizations were at about 70 people per 100,000 and then really dropped off the cliff coming down. And then we had summer here in the United States and that went way down and start coming back up. So you could kind of see if you're watching this and looking at the graph, you can kind of see this is a echo of what happened in January and it is just happening now, but we may actually be coming down already from the peak. We'll know within the next three to four weeks for sure, but it looks like it's possible that this is not going to be anywhere near as severe when it comes to hospitalizations in the United States that we had back when January rolled around. That was the Delta variant. I mean, this, again, should be good news. Even the ultra-liberal Atlantic is questioning all of the mask mandates, especially for schools, questioning what good the masks really do. They call out a study that the director of the CDC has been using, saying, oh, they're three and a half times more likely to contract in a school if they don't have a mask mandate. And even the most liberal folks that are following this are going, yeah, that data was so far off and so questionable of the methodology that was used that it should be thrown out. It shouldn't be part of the conversation. But this is what's been happening from day one on this, which is questionable information being used to push questionable behavior modifications or treatments or whatever. And none of that is good. And it has come down to really making two camps in the United States, those who believe in the vaccinations and those who don't. And this is a free country. So you're allowed to think whatever you want, at least for now. You're allowed to decide whether you want to put something into your body or not. And that is no question about it. One of the things that separates the United States from a lot of places around the world. Now, it's interesting, though, when you start looking at this as two kind of split down the line, there's that line you can't cross between the two groups that you had this past weekend, the Trump O'Reilly history tour, which we talked about last week with the information that came out about Trump requesting troops for January 6th and for the whole Russian collusion thing, which other brand new news before we went on and pressed the record button today, showing that Durham is kind of interested in looking at some people close to Hillary Clinton now about that. So that's a story that we will be following. But for those who were Donald Trump fans, for those who are in that particular group, Donald Trump was out with O'Reilly and said, yeah, you know, I was vaccinated. I got both jabs and then got boosted. O'Reilly said the same thing. And of course, there was a small group of people in the audience who booed that, which I don't even understand why you would boo that. It just shows the divide that you have and 
the unfortunate fallout of the way politics has been handled over the last 10, 20, maybe more years, that any decision, if it's not yours, it has to be scorned. It has to be belittled. Ah, well, that person's a moron because he did what I didn't do. And that was shown here where Donald Trump and Bill O'Reilly, two guys who I think are pretty intelligent gentlemen, both guys have a whole lot of money. Both guys can afford the very best health care that is out there. And I believe both of them were being honest. I don't think either one of them is lying about the fact that they got double jabbed and then got the booster. So you have to ask yourself, I mean, if this is a big global conspiracy cabal that, oh, they're trying to kill people with what they're putting in the vaccines, then, then why would these guys take it? Nobody can ever explain that part of the conspiracy theory. Donald Trump was the guy that was behind this vaccine getting made. So then what would be the point? Everybody's like, oh, well, Joe Biden and those guys, they're trying to just do that. Yeah, but why then? How, how did this happen? How did it switch over from Trump to Biden? And then it was a bad thing, but it should be a good thing. And I don't know. The conspiracy theory stuff is all just uh, enough to make me scratch my head. I believe in looking for things where there is actual proof, where there is actual data. And while, yes, there are side effects to the vaccinations, there's a lot of places that cover stuff like, oh, the vaccines cause myocarditis. And then are very, very silent on the fact that COVID-19 also causes myocarditis. And why is that, you have to ask? Again, it comes down to, is it just selective? Are you pushing the narrative? It doesn't fit your narrative, so you can't throw that in there. And it's worrisome, which is, again, why you should be looking at all sorts of different sources and trying to stay abreast of what's going on and not listening to just one side way too much. Scott Adams made a comment the other day that if you're in the camp that you can't say anything nice about somebody, then you might be the problem. You might be the one that's a little bit too far down the rabbit hole, which is why it was very interesting. And this is something I don't think we've seen from Joe Biden in a while, going back to when he was on the campaign trail. He and Donald Trump were going at each other pretty well. I mean, they were going after each other. The, uh, the gloves were off. They were, uh, they were coming out punching. So it was interesting that even President Biden, now, although he, maybe he sees his poll numbers, and we're going to talk about that in a second, but maybe that's what it is. Because Joe Biden even mentioned, well, I see Donald Trump said that you know, he was vaccinated and got the jab and got the booster. And, you know, this is one of the few things that we agree on. And then he credited the Trump administration for getting this whole ball rolling when it came to the science, putting together the vaccination effort. So that's really interesting to see those guys saying nice things about each other. That should either make you happy and put you in a Christmas kind of holiday mood. Or it's going to scare the hell out of you that Biden and Trump are saying nice things about each other. But it's the way I think politics used to work. That you would fight, you would go through the election cycle, and then you would actually try to do what was right for the country. So 
When it comes down to COVID, the numbers are the numbers. Why they're the numbers, that is going to be for scientists to debate for years to come. But it appears that at this point, while cases are once again going up, the hospitalizations that are associated with COVID are going down. They don't look like they're going to get anywhere near the peak that we hit back in January. Now, the question is, is it because you have a less severe variant? Is it because you're closing in on herd immunity because enough people have been either infected with COVID-19 or have gotten a vaccination? That's going to be for the scientists to figure out. But right now, the numbers we're looking at seem to be positive, even though there is a lot of fear being thrown out there. And I get it. You could say, well, you know, they're just trying to make everybody aware that there's something going on and that you don't want to just totally let your guard down. But guessing what is going to happen before it happens doesn't do anybody a whole lot of good. Now, one thing that is for sure happening is the violent spike here in Chicago and, well, throughout the United States as a whole, especially in highly populated Democrat run cities. And I'm safe enough. I'm outside of Chicago. I'm outside of Crook County, which is good. I mean, you can kind of see it, but you don't want to be in it because there's not a lot of good stuff going on. The mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, has finally asked for some help from the feds. Now, of course, she is saying the problem is that we need to control the guns coming in over state lines. It's like, oh, you know, you had me for a minute there that you realized you needed help, that you realized you don't have the resources to handle what's going on in Chirac, Mayor Lightfoot. But then you want to focus the blame. It's all on the guns coming in from Indiana, I guess. That is the problem with Chicago is those damn guns coming in from Indiana. I don't quite think the data is there to prove that, Mayor Lightfoot. Maybe this is the way she needs to frame it to not lose her Democrat card. I don't know what it is. We have to push the blame to those evil probably white people in Indiana who are providing the guns rather than point at what's going on in the city, who is getting murdered and who is the one committing the murders. I mean, that is where the inconvenience comes in for people like Mayor Lightfoot. According to the website, which we've pointed you to multiple times throughout the history of this show, called HeyJackass.com is showing so far this year in the great city of Chicago, 832 homicides. So, I mean, it's possible we can hit a thousand. I mean, maybe we're going to fall a little short. I don't know. It depends how good the Christmas and New Year celebrations, I guess, go for the folks here in Chicago. And as of right now, 4,442 people shot in Chicago. So far in 2021, the expressway shootings alone are something that has been a major concern. And it's one of the things that my parents who had gone to White Sox games for years and years and years had season tickets for over 30 years. One of the main reasons they don't 
want to venture out to the ballpark anymore is because people are getting shot on the expressways. This is not something that is only happening, you know, in the bad neighborhoods where people are, you know, committing crimes and it's all kind of self-cleaning, if you will. No, this is going on now on the expressways in the Chicago area, which everybody shares. And so far, as of December 4th, there have been 233 shootings on Chicago area expressways. But I mean, it's all the problem, of course, of the guns coming over the state lines from Indiana, I guess, or maybe Wisconsin. I don't know what state line she didn't say. But the guns coming in from outside into Chicago. I have a feeling, Mayor Lightfoot, Chicago is really well stocked on firearms. I don't think they need to keep bringing more in. I think they're pretty well stocked on what they need. And the trip that the gun takes from being manufactured to getting into Chicago, that's not really the problem. The problem may just be you have a district attorney in Kim Fox who, of course, got, what was it, 150000 plus from George Soros to be elected to not enforce the crimes going on. And I know broken record, we've talked about that over and over again, but we all know if you have any logic in your brain and in your heart that if there is no consequence for somebody's actions, they're probably going to do some bad stuff. So Mayor Lightfoot at least asked for some help. Will it do any good? I don't know. It all depends what is going to be allowed. Bill O'Reilly has been talking about this for the last few years. And I think he's right when he says that the only way you're really going to fix this violence problem in Chicago is to have the National Guard in the areas where the drug gangs are prevalent and go to work. Go to work to bring the people committing the crimes to justice. But again, we have a DA that doesn't want to take those cases and prosecute them. So, I mean, you can take people off the street, but if they're brought right back out without any kind of punishment, I doubt that's going to do any good. But I think people are noticing this. We've talked about Biden's approval going down, down and down, but the latest poll And this one from PBS. So, I mean, you know, this isn't exactly a conservative outfit here. Uh, PBS and Marist poll, which showed something that I thought was fairly interesting because this concept that the Democrats, Joe Biden, had the open southern borders. Well, a big part of that was, well, because we know all the brown people coming in. Well, they're going to vote for the Democrats. They're going to love them, and this is going to be great. They're going to take votes away from the Republicans. And I'm not sure that that is truly the case. So this whole border thing could also end up really backfiring on Joe Biden depending and the Democratic Party, depending on the mindset of why people want to come to the United States. Because I think most people come to the United States because they want the ability to make a better life for themselves and their family. I don't think they're necessarily coming here thinking it's just the free come get whatever you want. You don't have to work. And, uh, you know, you can be poor here too. 
because that's what they're trying to get away from in the countries that they're coming in from. They want a better life. So what's the point of coming here if the system's going to crash and everybody's going to be as poor as you were where you came from? Then there's really no point in coming here. But this PBS Marist poll showed that Joe Biden's approval rating was at 40% with white folks, but only 33% with the Hispanic community. So that's an interesting number to look at. Only 33% of the Hispanics are approving of Joe Biden. That's not a lot. One out of three. So that means two out of three not approving of the policies of Joe Biden. So I thought that was interesting. How that's going to shake out in the midterms, we'll have to wait and see. But there was also a Politico morning consult poll, which I know polls are kind of crappy. don't really mean anything, but this poll showed only 21% of the people that they polled who were, in this case, eligible voters, only 21% strongly approved of Joe Biden's performance as president of the United States. Only 21%. That's not a high number. Not a high number. One out of five. I mean, I don't know what they're looking at because uh, one out of five people thinking that Joe Biden has done a great job, I guess, are ignoring inflation. They're ignoring the crime, like we just talked about here in Chicago. They're ignoring the crisis at the border. They're ignoring the supply chain problems. They're ignoring the debacle that was the Afghanistan withdrawal. And they're ignoring the fact that Joe Biden ran on, I'm going to stamp out this COVID-19. Trump was horrible, but I can stamp it out. And here we are in 2021, which is going to have, already has, more COVID deaths than the year that Donald Trump was president. So, you know, there's all that. It doesn't seem that Joe Biden really has been hitting it out of the park on any of these areas. And if there is an area that Joe Biden's done really well and I'm just missing it, feel free to let me know. But Senator Elizabeth Warren, I mean, if you want to talk about crazy people in politics, it would be Senator Warren, who is much like Bernie Sanders, just all in on the socialism, Marxism, communism type of concept. And she went after the grocery store chains because they're the ones that are involved now in price gouging. This is almost unbelievable that a state senator, like senator from a state, not a state senator, she's an actual senator, that a senator in the United States could put something like this out there and not have massive outcry for this. This was a letter that was sent to the heads of Kroger's, Albertsons, and Publix. She shared it exclusively with her friends over at NBC. The letter read, quote, your company and the other major grocers who reap the benefits of a turbulent 2020. <laughs> really? The grocers reap the benefits of that whole COVID pandemic. You know, having to outfit their stores with all those idiotic little plastic things to keep us safe, you know, all the dividers, 
and all those signs that they had to put on the floor like, oh, stay six feet apart. All of this crap, keeping people out, making sure only a certain amount of people were in the stores. Oh, yeah, they reap the benefits, Senator Warren, of a turbulent 2020. She goes on to say, quote, you appear to be passing costs on to consumers to preserve your pandemic gains and even taking advantage of inflation to add greater burdens. Uh, you mean they're raising the prices so that they don't lose money on everything going out the door. Isn't that what you mean, Senator Warren? I mean, do you not understand simple math? I mean, it's possible because she's a socialist. So she might not understand simple math to say that the grocery stores, oh, they had a great 2020, and now they're just trying to stick it to people more. This is the kind of attitude of the average person in politics on the left, and this is why it still amazes me that they still get elected. I don't quite understand it. And I will say Breitbart, as a very far right-leaning source, I'm getting tired of the articles, because I go there for news. And it's fine that they let people be the pundits and all that. I know I fall into it, you know, calling it Uncle Joey and all that kind of stuff. But I'm a podcaster. And you really shouldn't take me seriously. Come on. But when reading an article on Breitbart, this quote from Senator Warren is uh, added on. So after this goes through this thing, you know, oh, taking advantage of inflation to add greater burdens, it says then after that, after the end quote. Liawatha wrote. Oh, I mean, that's so cute. You can call her Liawatha, just like Pocahontas. That's great. That doesn't really add credence to your news gathering. This doesn't add credence to the fact that you're a source that will actually be trying to get to the truth. And once you get that far down the rabbit hole, then it's like, I'm going to start taking the stories that are on your website a little less seriously because it seems like all you want to do is push an agenda and it's sad because the reality is you don't even have to belittle senator warren when you're doing the story i think people who again have any kind of logic will be like wait she's blaming the grocery stores for raising prices but her quote goes on to say quote your companies had a choice they could have retained lower prices for consumers and properly protected and compensated their workers or granted massive payouts to top executives and investors. It is disappointing that you chose not to put your customers and workers first. Now, I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked at the numbers for any of these grocery stores, but it's very similar as a business model to restaurants. I mean, when you're dealing with this kind of stuff, you're not dealing with huge profits. You're dealing with a business that you're going to make your money on by doing a volume business. And the reality is when the prices go up on everything, when it comes to what you would normally buy at the grocery store, it's not like they're making 20, 30, 40% on everything you buy. They were making 40% on every loaf of bread, you know, and then the cost of the bread went up 10%. Yes, then you can absorb that without a problem. But if you're making 10% on a loaf of bread and the cost of bread goes up 10%, then you have to do something. You have to raise the price. You may as well just close the door because here's the other funny thing, Senator Warren. If they don't make a profit 
on the goods that they're selling, they have no money to pay the people that are working for them. You idiot. So, okay, so I know we're editorializing there, just like I said, the uh, Breitbart shouldn't do bad on me. But I mean, come on. You have to be able to do the simple math that if things go up past the point of where you're no longer making money on them, then of course you have to increase the pricing and pass it along to the customer in order for the businesses to stay viable. This is exactly why CVS and Target, and I believe Walgreens and maybe others are exiting places like San Francisco because once you start losing money, in the case of those locations, because of theft, then you close them. If you can't make money at the location, you close them. That is what you do. You don't continue to lose money. You don't continue to go further into the red. It's something that could be handled as a temporary stopgap, but there is no end in sight in this Bidenflation. There is no end in sight. So the question then becomes for the grocery stores who are saying prices are maybe going to go up another 10% in the next six months or year. Well, if they don't start raising them now, then people are really going to be mad when the prices go up by 100% or more. Welcome to the Weimar Republic. Welcome to having to bring a wheelbarrow full of cash in order to afford a loaf of bread. That could happen if Biden inflation keeps going. So, I mean, I guess that's a really happy story to wish uh, everybody a very Merry Christmas week. Looking forward to a 2022 that you would think could only get better. But, you know, a lot of people thought that of this year. And now you may have more deaths in COVID than we had the year before. But the reality is you got to just keep on moving on and see where everything winds up. This podcast is a value for value podcast, which means we put the podcasts out there. And if you get any value out of them, it's up to you to decide what number to put on that and get the value back to us. You can do that in a variety of ways by going to random thoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com slash donate, clicking that donate button using one of the QR codes or wallet addresses for the crypto thing or using the P.O. box address if you want to go the snail mail route. And if you have a podcasting 2.0 compliant app, you can even boost us and send us a boostagram and send some Satoshis our way while you're listening to the shows. All of those are valid ways to go about it. And we do have two people to thank on today's show. Coming in at $20, our friend Kendra, otherwise known as Kenny Ben, if you follow No Agenda in the art, with a note that just says Merry Christmas and Merry Christmas to you, Kendra. Hope everything is well. I know you have some fun health stuff going on and uh, I don't have a good health karma jingle or anything. So let's just pretend we had a really cool jingle to send your way, but we are sending health karma. Hope you're feeling good. Hope you have a great Christmas with you and your family and our buddy, Sir Sean coming in of the Allegheny Valley with $15. That is a monthly donation and very much appreciated. Really thanks to everybody for supporting the show over the past few years. And for giving us your time, I know there's a lot of things you can be listening to. It's an honor that you're listening to this podcast and a few of the other ones I do. We're going to keep trying to have some fun moving into 2022. 
With that said, there should be one last random thoughts of the year coming up next week on Wednesday. So feel free to get in with that value for value model before the end of the year. Get it in on these last minute prices. Prices will never be so low. But I will be back next week with another edition of the Random Thoughts Podcast. Have a great Christmas. Until next time, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 